Hi guys, welcome back to Recipe to the Road podcast. This is episode 21. How exciting. I can't believe that we've already got 21 episodes out. Like, yeah, super proud of that. And thank you so much, as I always say, for everyone who's been here all along. I do apologize for the dog barking outside. As you probably realized at this stage, recording in quiet is just not an option while traveling or usually isn't an option anyways. Yeah, honestly, I can't really remember the last time that I had silence. Anyways, we're going to jump back into my conversation with Brian, the sociologist. So last episode, we talked about the most frequently asked search queries on Google about Mexico. If you haven't already listened to that episode, I would definitely recommend going back and giving it a listen. In this episode, we're finished with the FAQs and we're going to get into a more general conversation about Mexico. We talk about why Mexico is considered a third world country how gentrification is increasing inequality and how to have a positive impact while traveling or living somewhere as a digital nomad. Did anything surprise you about Mexico from the last episode or from this episode? I'd love to know. My Instagram is at recipe to the road or my email as you probably know is recipe to the road at gmail.com. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. So let's talk a little bit about like Mexico in general. Like when we were discussing the question there about um, is Mexico a third world country, you mentioned that maybe like access to healthcare and access to education is limited. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, specifically in the sense that first of all, as you were t- as you were saying before, this wealth inequality is going to play a big role in how that is distributed. People who have money will have access to whatever they want which is what happens everywhere in the world. I wouldn't say it only happens in Mexico. But uh, you also have this other side, this other group of people who will depend on an efficient system that is not being provided to them by the government, which is pretty much the main institution that has to provide that to their citizens. You know, That's why they are chosen for it. That's why they are there. Like, but getting into politics is also a big issue in that sense. So if you don't have... a structure system on, on how to deal with these problems, you are definitely going to be lacking on, on how you provide this to the people around you. And Mexico is not only the big cities. Probably in the big cities, you will have hospitals and you will have good universities and stuff like that. But as you can see, Mexico is also divided into really small towns all around. And they don't, they are not going to have the same access to the same services as well and information as well is not going to be uh, as equally distributed so you are going to need an efficient gov- gov- governing plan to, to address all those issues but as we were just talking a little bit before there are things that that are happening that also require time and money and investment in that sense so there are other stuff that is just being overlooked it's going to depend on on the government that is happening at the moment to like sort of address all these things but you know it's it's very divided in mexico as well how people think on the far and like in the right side or the left side as well so yeah i think when we were chatting about this before you had said that mexico had a right-wing government for like a long long time and it's is it am i correct it has a left-wing government now for the first time like ever well yeah i mean you know dividing things into right and left 
it's a bit easier in that sense just to explain. But Mexico had a government just with the same in the same circle for like fifty years. So the last fifty years, the same political party would would, would take power uh, in the Mexican government, and then just it just kind of shifted to the other way because when 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 a government shifts as much. It's because you can see how people are not feeling well with what is happening, you know. And in this sense, it kind of shifted to a more progressive side. And yeah, that's what's happening right now. I feel that the late, the, the current president there is more a, a progressive. Yeah. And, but it's still like, you know, they all have problems. They all have different sorts of issues as well. But and are they, the current government now, are they putting things in place to maybe have a bit more of a, efficient system to provide like education and healthcare to marginalized and rural communities i mean this government pretty much won in marginalized and rural communities that that's where the main voters went for it because the big cities as you told me although we were talking about that like you just see a little bit of what is happening around so most of the population that is living outside that kind of uh voted for this current president as well but uh it would be hard to say that after a long time, after a long period, just like 50 years and just having this sort of shifting period as well, like you cannot really see what is happening. There is a lot of discontent all the time as well. But I feel that aside from the fact that he is actually doing something to address it as like an immediate solution, it's more like people are finally feeling heard. You know what I mean? I feel like some people okay. that didn't feel heard before. So that gives them a new sort of hope, I would say. But there are a lot of, you know, bureaucracy involved into developing new laws and developing new stuff and all the time that it carries to change something that didn't work until some, uh, like, to a new project is just going to take a while. It just, it just everywhere as well. Okay. Yeah. I think like from being around Mexico and kind of like being in, maybe like smaller, more rural towns and stuff, it sort of feels like each town is nearly like doing its own thing. And like, you know, like, and obviously there are the self-government and autonomous towns around Mexico, but like just in the regular towns, it nearly feels like they're kind of, they just are looking after themselves and have to kind of do that. Like you don't really notice a lot of consistency in like what sort of government services. And even like, you know, you might, see like government branding around you don't really see that at all in mexico yeah i feel that it also comes from a sense of community you know which i find yeah. that is like really really well perceived in mexico all, all around it's like they all belong to a place and they want you to belong to that place as well so politics are a thing of course it depends a lot on that you know like to make policies like public policies and laws and the security stuff of course it, it's going to depend on that but this sense of community also provides it, each town to this sense of belonging. And they, they, they do their own stuff as well in that sense. So, for example, let's just put an example. I would be, I was in Merida, I remember, and I was talking to, to the security guard. As, 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 you, as you know, I just like to talk to people in general. It doesn't really matter, like, because I like to understand different perspectives on stuff. So I was talking to this guy in, in a museum. And I was like, people here are so friendly. People here are so nice. It's, it's good to know that before Merida, I was in Cancun and Playa del Carmen and Tulum. And I was like, so not really acquainted to, 
Mexican culture in those places. Uh, so I was like, people here are so amazing and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, you're going to find this and this and that. You have to go here and do this and that and that. And then some, some people overheard what I was talking. And then I just was like, okay, thank you for your information. I'm just going to keep on doing my thing, doing the museum and stuff. And then one of these people who overheard me approached me and she was like, uh, are you planning to go to Guanajuato? And I was like, yeah, eventually I will get there. It's like, oh, if you think people here are nice, you just wait until, until you get there. People there are more friendly. People there are more than that. And then you just like, literally, they all, they all have this pride on like how cool they are. So I guess politics aside, the community that they have is also something that provides them with this uh, relief or this release on how, what things are actually happening. Because you know, if you really focus on the big problems and everything is a problem, also that's going to impact your quality of life and the way that you perceive your life. So, yes, yeah. yeah. So it's to each own each own as well. I would say. Yeah, that's in, that's a really interesting perspective, and like you do see the sense of community. Like the way I, Tom and I always noticed it is like there'd be a, a stray dog in a town. And that stray dog is not hungry. Like he goes around to the back of every restaurant and like kids pet him and like everyone knows that stray dog. Like it's like that real like it takes a village mentality, but for all the kind of stray dogs. It's like the dog doesn't have an owner, but the town kind of protects it and looks after it. <laughs> That's funny that you put that on the table. Like sometimes when I talk about this with other people, they don't understand what I'm saying. They are like, what are you saying? And like, no, for real. There are people who like, sorry, there are like these, like, there are stray dogs that belong to a neighborhood. So, you know, they, 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 they are their own gang, you know, they live there. It's like people feed them, people take care of them. It's fun to see in Mexico, you see that a lot. And that is just a representation of how people take care of each other as well. Yeah. And that happens in the little towns, I would say a bit more. You can see that outside of the big cities because. You know, big cities have different issues, social issues as well. Like you get more focus on hustling, work, 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 work all the time. Just, I don't know, profiting and stuff like that. You get outside a little bit of that mentality and you start to see what it's really about. It's like they, they all depend on each other. They both depend on each other. But you, you have different experiences when you are outside the big, the big cities. Yeah, yeah definitely. So before we, we're going to wind up shortly, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about like, gentrification and kind of like the impact not even the impact tourism is having but like yeah i guess the impact like gentrification is having on certain parts of mexico like i suppose we can go back to mexico city and talk about like roma norte like is that and would you think that's an example of gentrification in mexico i I feel that is like the best example that you can use right now like i mean there is a big issue right now on that on that sense because i mean as much People want foreigners to go to Mexico, understand their culture and just be there and share a moment and have an amazing experience. There is also this issue of how much you can spend on a place, you know. It's called like uh, acquisition power, I would say. So it's like how much you can spend depending on how much you earn. Okay. So if you compare how much you earn in the United States or in Europe, you're going to have rich, like your, your living wage is going to be definitely higher. So when you go to a place like Mexico City that offers you everything, everything that you want good food good nightlife friendly communities like parks a walkable, it's a walkable city you have all these benefits that you will have in a first world country but it's cheaper 
So you are definitely want to be there, you know, you want to be part of it because it's like you are sort of taking advantage of the system, which there is nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, is they are your decisions. It is your money. It's like everything that you are earning is also for yourself. It's like how is the way that you want to live your life. But because of this, uh, this is affecting the people who who live there in the first place. So you have this big issue of gentrification. So uh, if you go to places like La Condesa, which I'm pretty sure you were there, like when yeah. you were in Mexico City, you are gonna go there and you are gonna literally see advertisement just in English nowadays, like just purely oh, really? in English, like people speak English everywhere. Uh, the restaurants are being like literally catering for foreigners. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the owners of properties there, like if you have an apartment there, you don't want to rent it anymore because now you can profit so much more from making it an Airbnb. So, you know, if you have a 10 year lease, let's say with somebody that, you know, like, even if he is your friend now, like you are no longer a landlord and a tenant relationship, but it's more like, an, uh, we are friends. So we are good. Like you've, you've been living here for a while, but you know, like if you can profit from something, which is fair, I would say in a sense, you are going to do it because you need the money to survive. That's how things are nowadays, every day, like everywhere. So. Yeah. So you now see you nowadays see that you can make so much more money for, let's say you have a one bedroom studio apartment in La Condesa, which is like pretty much the most gentrificated neighborhood right now in Mexico City. And you can put an ad for a monthly rent of, let's just put like 2.5K US dollars, okay? Which for somebody who earns double in their own country is not going to be as much. It's going to be even less than living in cities like New York or Paris or London that are like really yeah. expensive places. You can come down, pay for, pay that amount of money without a problem and then save money on things like food and transportation because that doesn't change. That has to be equalized to the people who live there because people who live there is, are going to be the main ones who are going to use those services as well. So in that sense, gentrification is a big issue in Mexico City, like for what I saw. And if you go and dig around and like you look for YouTube videos or like you go to, to read some studies about that, there is something that is happening. So people are starting investing in that more money and more money is going to be less accessible for people who don't earn as much money as somebody who earns like in euros or dollars. They are not going to be able to, to afford their rent anymore. So they are going to be pushed aside to the peripherics. And then that's how you create also inequality in that sense, because you are only creating safe spaces for people who can afford it. And it's not social, it's unfair socially for like for people who been there for so long. Yeah. Do you think there's a way of like, say like doing what we do, like traveling and working online, like where probably the kind of people that will take up these, I mean, I know we kind of like go to like co-working like co-living hostels and stuff but like a lot of people doing what we're doing are probably the ones that are taking those apartments for like extortionate amounts of money like do you think there's a way of being a digital nomad or being an expat or something and not feeding into gentrification the thing is that just just like a couple of a couple of weeks ago i was actually reading into this because i was just i just got across a video of this, the example that I told you, the Airbnb situation happening in La Condesa, and I just started reading about it. And to be politically correct, I would say we don't pay, we're not paying any taxes, you yeah. know? And that is something that should be addressed because uh, 
that if you're a digital nomad in a country, you should pay taxes in the country that you're that you're working from. That's gonna sound very. That's that's gonna sound very polemic. That's gonna that's that's gonna sound very confronting for some people. I would say, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not afraid of you. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. But the thing is that that's a way of how you can control that. Because otherwise, how do you do it? Like, how do you how do you manage to control that? Like, literally, people choose to go to cheaper countries because they can make so much more out of the money that they are earning. And you don't really, have, you are not really paying taxes either because yeah. you don't live there, you know? So I guess like being conscious on that is something that you have to be conscious, first of all, so you can contribute better. For example, if you go to a fruit place and then you are expected to pay a little bit more for a fruit juice, it's like, I don't think that fighting for those 10 pesos or something like that is worth it when you are earning so much more money, you know? But that is more of a personal view. That's more of a personal take. That is like, if I feel like doing this, then it's it's going to help, maybe? I don't know. But that's something that you could do. You just be more conscious of where you are and how you're, is you're expanding because you understand that you want to travel and, you know, make things more cheap for your living so you can save some money and you, or just literally do more stuff but for the people there it's really also affecting them because uh, if you go live there and you have the chance to pay i don't know three dollars for a bottle of water the person who's selling you that bottle of water is going to get used to get paid that and then if somebody is just gonna a local who does who does not have the same ability to pay that price uh, it's just going to be secluded as well because like i can sell this bottle of water for three dollars mm. to everybody else so i don't want to sell it yeah, to you. I get you. you know so that is more of a personal situation, I would say. But definitely the government should be able to do something about it, which is gone, which has also two sides because it's going to start scaring people off. It's like, why would I do that now that I'm getting taxed for what I'm going to do? Like, why do I choose yeah. to go there anyways? But, you know, it also this digital nomadic situation is really new. So I don't think it's regulated anywhere I don't, I don't have an example like out of the top of my mind where I'm like, oh yeah, you can, you are being regulated in this sense if you are a digital nomad. That is not happening. Like these remote jobs pretty much it's like kind of, uh, there, there was a boost of yeah. it because of COVID. And after COVID, like there are so many problems that governments have to solve because of what happened with COVID and the sequels that COVID had in the economy and the health and the education system that why would they address something that is just pretty much a privilege for for a few yeah that makes sense like it's so low down on the priorities but at the same time yeah if there was something i don't know some sort of way in place that you could contribute like maybe not doing your full taxes but if there was some sort of like even like yeah. a digital nomad visa that costs so much and that was to cover your like public services while you're there or something yeah that is something i would say yeah that that would be more of a, a structural change and I'm telling you, those take a long time in Latin America. Like, it's crazy to pass a law because you have to get the approval for everybody and everybody is just looking for their best, like their own interests. And it's just crazy in that sense. But as a person, as an individual, you can literally look a bit further than that and be like, can I contribute to the community? I know that I am not doing the best because I am kind of damaging 
the, the whole structure of how people live here, but how can I just probably make the balance more equal? What do I do? Mm. I don't know, like changes, like stop buying things in big chains, like supermarkets and stuff like that. You can do local stuff or like just, you know, go randomly eat to a taqueria or like places that you can actually make friends, get some really good food and just start understanding and helping these people, you know? Yeah. It, it would be more about how much you want to get involved and be part of this community that I'm telling you and how much you want it to keep on developing because now you feel part of it. And instead of just like, oh, yeah, I can go down to Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, or like whatever of these countries because I can afford more and I'm just going to be there because I can have more fun. That is a very individualistic thought, uh, which is not going to take us anywhere, I would say. Just kind of like look at your role in the area and what you can contribute. Yeah, what can you do? I suppose it's like balance, isn't it? Like balance, like if you're getting something from it, like how do you balance that out by contributing? Yeah, that first of all, you need to be aware of it. If you are in this area of like, if you are really interested into this sort of conversation, you're not going to be asking if Mexican is an ethnicity. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also about like, being informed, like getting information, like being willing to learn, open to learn, and just not going to a place just because you want a post on Instagram to be like, oh yeah, I was here. I'm just pretty much understanding a little bit more. And this would work more for people who are planning to go there to live for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Who are planning on doing what we are doing or like just getting a bit more involved into that because if you go to a holiday it's just a different sort of thinking as well because holidays are just holidays you know so why do you think about this stuff but if you want to get more involved and you know that you're going to get more time and you want to be more conscious about what you are doing while you're traveling i feel understanding where you are and what is happening around you plays a key factor of having an amazing experience a more complete experience and to also sort of do a little bit as well, you know, like it doesn't have to be money, but it can also be like experiences, you mm. know, like providing things to people, providing things like providing new perspectives, providing new ideas, like where I come from, this happens like this, like it would be fun if you understand this in this sense and how do I do that? How do I make it work? Yeah. So, Even as just as a little, I think has been like been friendly and stuff like, because I noticed some, not everywhere, but certain places would be and you might just like pass a local on the street and as soon as you make eye contact with them, if they see that you're about to say hi, they'll say like buenos dias or buenos whatever part of the day it is. But I noticed that like if it's uh, someone like a Latino person, like they're much more likely to say hello straight away because they know that that person's going to say hello back. So it's like obviously there's just been like a lot of white people just going around and not saying hi to people and not chatting with people. So people are a bit more reserved to say hello to you and like it's not like I think they're not saying hi to me because I'm white because they have a problem with me it's just because their experience is like maybe a lot of white people aren't as friendly or something and that really struck me as like if you're coming somewhere new like say hi to people when you pass on the street like be polite yeah it's easier it's easier it's definitely something that it comes with us you know where you were raised and the way that you were raised of course like, you cannot just change that True. from one day to another but but I'm telling you, if you really want to, like, be, have a broader, like, like a broader experience, yeah, uh, just be willing to be a bit more open, you know. You also have to be careful, of course. You cannot be like, hey, hi, 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 blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. but, like, you have to be selective as well, like, be careful. But 
But yeah, try to understand a bit better as well. So, for example, if somebody just doesn't look at you in the way that you want them to look at you, maybe they are having a bad day because they are not getting paid enough and then you have a lot of money to spend and like they just feel in that sense that it's unfair, you know, they are doing so much more work yeah. or whatever they are thinking. So just trying to be more empathetic in that sense is also a key, I would say. And, and yeah, but this is more for people who want to like learn about that because I'm telling you, uh, this kind of conversation doesn't really go uh, easy on everybody. It's just a lot of that. It's a lot of like conflictive thoughts as well, because it's like trying to understand better what you want to do and what you want to express. But if you are in this side, so it's, it's, it's fun. Like, trust me, like one of the best things I've done in my life is to do that, to be willing to learn and just be willing to be more empathetic with what's happening around me. Yeah. I think that's an excellent note to finish on. But before we do finish, I want to ask you, I ask everyone like a quick fire, four questions. So I just want to ask you real quick, what is your favorite country you've traveled to? My favorite country that I've been to? Yeah. Uh, are you going to guess that? <laughs> I was like, this is an awkward one to ask since this whole thing is about Mexico, but I'm just going to ask it neutrally anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Mexico is, is, is the place that I, I really, I really cherish. Whenever I talk about Mexico with somebody, even though I am not Mexican, I just talk so many good things about it because it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. It's, it's beautiful. Everything about that place is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite accommodation you've ever stayed in? Oof. That's a tough one. Since we travel quite a lot, like it's really hard to like pinpoint a specific one. But I would say the place where we met is one of the best places that I've been. Like the they call the the cold living house in in Mexico City, definitely one of the best ones. Yeah, I would stay with that one. And like also when I've been given like a spot in somebody's place, you know what I mean? Like I met mm. somebody whilst I was traveling, and we really connected. And then at some point, I was like, I need a place to stay for a night and stuff like that. And they openly say, you can come and stay with me. Uh, and they help you. So I feel that instead of just looking at the, what the place is, I, the intention is amazing. And that just fills you up with energy and good, good, good vibes. So that, that I would say also that's my favorite situation to happen when I'm traveling. Yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite food you've had traveling? My favorite food? Yeah. Ooh, I like to eat. I love to eat. That's probably one of the main reasons why I travel as well, just to <laughs> eat away. <laughs> so well Mexican food is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But like when when I was traveling in Korea I was I also had some amazing food. Like in a specific dish I wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah. But yeah, different cuisines for sure. Now that now that I was in Argentina, uh, there is a really big Peruvian influence there. Like a like yeah, cuisine, Peruvian cuisine, and I was just like, wow, it's mind blowing. So you ever had the chance to try Peruvian? Just go for it; it's amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a hard one to pinpoint something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. It's so hard. It's like I'm, I'm just like while I was trying to answer to that question, I was just thinking about what I've eaten, and I just start like my mouth just started watering, you know, and like oh my god. <laughs> All right, we can leave it on a diplomatic answer. And last one. What is your favorite memory from all your travels? My favorite memory? Mm. What I try to do is like to take out what was the best experience that I had in each place or each period of time that I had and how it made me grow 
on that how it made me change as a person. So mm-hmm. one specific experience that I have, because I have a lot, but one of the specific experiences that I had was when I just started traveling by myself. Uh, the first time that I arrived to a new place just by myself, just me without really a plan, just like this really big idea of, of learning and trying to understand new things and trying to see what is happening outside. So I was queuing in El Doral. It is like it's the airport in Bogota. Okay. And it was December 25th. It was literally on Christmas Eve that I, I traveled there because it was cheap. The ticket was cheap, so I just got it. And I got there and I was queuing in an immigration and another three or four flights have arrived at the same time. They all came from different places. And then I like to like observe what is happening. And I just saw people from so many different backgrounds, you know, with so many different colors in their passports, with so many different ways of looking like what they were doing. And I was like, dude, like what I'm about to experience is so big. I cannot even understand how much I'm going to get. So I just need to be open to learn. So that was an experience that I really marked because it was the first one that I, when I thought about that, when I actually believed that I can do a lot. And that I'm going to be able to learn as much as I am willing to. And yeah, that was fun. And I was also really mad because it was a long queue. <laughs> you had a lot of time to, to think about the deeper stuff. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was such a big queue. Like crazy. But yeah, that's a nice question, Marie. I love that question. I'm going to say it. <laughs> That was a lovely answer. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was beautiful. I know. I know. Well, can I say? That is a, a great note to finish on. So thank you so much for talking to me, for sharing your knowledge and your experience. It's been amazing. Yeah, as we're saying, it, it is my knowledge and it's my experience. I, I understand and I know that everything that I say is not what it is, pretty much. It's just how I understand things. I study stuff and... And I, I like can put myself on the table and see and say, yeah, this is what I know. And I'm really sorry if I miss something for sure, because you know you cannot just always just say everything. And I'm still learning. I I know stuff now, but I'm still learning about a lot of stuff. So everything is just a process as well. Thank you for listening to Recipe to the Road podcast. If you want to contact the show or you have any comments or questions, you can get me on Instagram at recipe to the road or by email recipe to the road at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow my journey and see what I'm doing at the moment, you can also see that on my Instagram at recipe to the road. Thank you for listening.